if you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. A few years ago, I had moved to a new place after the apartment that I lived in unexpectedly hiked up the rent. I was planning on renewing as I was comfortable with everything, so I obviously hadn't been looking at other places. When they sprung that on me, I knew that I couldn't afford it and had 60 days to find a new place. Thankfully, I did find a small house for rent that was actually about... $100 less than what I was paying, and I grabbed it immediately. The only issue was that it wasn't in the best location. It was a pretty run-down town, but the neighborhood at least seemed to be pretty tight-knit, and while driving down the road to check the place out, I saw signs for Neighborhood Watch, and several people had cameras by their front doors and garage. I figured that they at least probably took their safety and security seriously, so I would be okay. I had actually been there for about eight months or so with no issues, and after meeting some of the neighbors, I was feeling better about it, and was actually getting pretty comfortable with it. I also had my dog that I had taken with me when I moved out of my parents' place. I named him Boots because he has dark brown to black fur, but all of his feet are white. It looks like he's wearing boots. I'm pretty sure that he's a mix, but I can tell that he's at least part Rottweiler. While he really is just a big teddy bear, he can definitely look intimidating. So, he also made me feel safer. So, this event happened while I was living there, obviously. It had been raining off and on for a few days when the temp dropped enough for it to start snowing. It was New Year's Eve and Boots and I went to my parents' place for a Christmas and New Year's celebration. Once we got home that night, I had barely put away my leftovers when we crashed on the couch together, just watching some random movie on Netflix. I didn't have to work the next day, so a night on the couch, sleeping in with my dog beside me, sounded like a pretty good night. I had been asleep for a few hours, but I remember hearing a weird scraping sound. It was like metal on wood, but I couldn't be bothered to open my eyes to check it. I think part of me assumed either it was in my head, like a dream, or maybe my dog was doing something. However, when the sound persisted, it seemed to click in my mind that Maybe it was Boots scratching at the door, so I woke up. However, I was surprised when not only did I not see him at the door, but he was laying at the other end of the couch, looking at the door with his head tilted. I laid there staring at him, trying to process what was happening, but when I heard the sound again, I jumped and turned my attention to the door. I now recognized the sound as someone trying to either mess with my doorknob or the deadbolt. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I am not a fighter. 
I ran track in high school, but that was about it. I'm tall, but I'm also pretty skinny with no real muscle. My dog was definitely more intimidating than I had ever been. So, to say that I was pretty freaked out was an understatement. I honestly didn't know what to do. I stood up and stared at the door, and Boots, sensing my fear, jumped off the couch and started growling. As I mentioned, he was always a very gentle giant, so to see him growling and his fur sticking up made me feel even worse about this situation. He knew whoever was beyond that door had no good intentions. I didn't know if I should try to scare them off, should I hide and try to call for help? I decided that it would be better to let myself be known. Maybe they were trying to break in and rob the place, but maybe they would take off if they knew that it wasn't empty. I mustered up in the most threatening tone that I could. What the hell are you doing? Can I come in? I heard him respond in a creepy tone. Boots was now starting these little barks between his growls. Normally, I probably would have asked him if he was okay or needed help, but the way he responded made me think that this guy had ill intent. So, I responded by telling him that he needed to leave before I called the cops. I didn't hear anything, and I was too nervous to open my blinds to see if he was still there, and so I grabbed my phone to check the doorbell camera. It was a knockoff one, so I at least had some kind of visual. But before I could even pull up the camera, I started hearing the scratching sound again. So, I kicked at my door, saying, Hey, stop! Which made the scratching sound stop. I again didn't hear anything, so I continued to open the app, and I saw the tail end of the guy walking away from my door, almost with a skip in his step. I can't explain it, but it made the whole situation just that much more eerie. I waited until I could no longer see him on the camera before I opened the door to check it out. There, on the porch, resting on my welcome mat, was a flathead screwdriver and what I think was part of a metal hanger. Trying to figure out what the metal sound was, I looked at my doorknob and the deadbolt and saw scratch marks all over both of them. This guy was obviously trying to use those items to get in. That had me pretty scared. What would have happened if I hadn't woken up that night? What would he have done if he did get in and just saw me laying there? I grabbed the items with my sleeve and, without touching them as much as possible, in case they could be used for prints, and then called the cops immediately. When they arrived, they took down a report. They took the items and said that they would circle the area to see if they could find the guy. One of them came back and reported that they didn't find him, and that was basically the end of it. I was still a bit on edge, but the tiredness was once again winning, so I went around and made sure that all of my doors and windows were locked. Then, Boots and I went to my bedroom, locking that door as well. My room faced the driveway, so I thought, if anything, I could still see or probably hear if someone came back. Surprisingly, I fell asleep pretty quickly. It was around four when I woke up again. This time it was a bit more abrupt. 
Boots was growling and doing his little barks again. I woke up and looked up at him to see him staring at my door. But this was the door to my bedroom, not the front door. Was someone in my house at this point? I called out, Hello? But I didn't get a response, and I didn't hear anything, so I got up and went to my door. As I approached the door, so did Boots, but he was now barking very loudly, something that I rarely saw him do. I slowly unlocked the door and quickly swung it open. Thankfully, there was no one there, but Boots took off out of the room and then ran to the back door. I followed him, looking around, and I didn't see anything out of place. I was really nervous about the whole situation, but the way that Boots was barking and scratching at the back door, something told me that I should let him out. I opened the heavy wooden door and again saw nothing but a blanket of snow. So I opened the screen door and Boots flew out, barking and growling. I quickly grabbed the closest shoes that I had and dashed out after my dog, worried for his safety. I followed his tracks to the side of the house, but not before noticing the prints in the snow. They were human, and they were definitely leading to my back door. Now I was following both the footprints and my dog's tracks. When I met back up with Boots, he was still barking and snarling. I had never seen him like that before, which really kind of startled me. Something had to be very wrong in order to get this much anger out of him. I looked all around, even directly where he was looking, but I couldn't see anyone or anything. I finally got him calmed down enough and got him to come back inside with me. I could tell that he was still on edge. His fur was still standing, his ears were straight up like he was constantly listening, and he was looking all over the place. He wouldn't even sit down. I can't say that I could blame him, though. I was pretty well awake and on high alert at that point, too. He definitely kept me awake, but seeing the footprints, yeah, it kind of scared me as well. They looked fresh. It was still snowing, but they weren't covered. Was this why Boots had started barking? Did he hear something? I didn't think the police could do anything about the prints, so I didn't bother to call them back. I stayed awake the rest of that night completely unable to sleep, but thankfully there were no other events either. I emailed the owner that morning to let them know what happened, in case any part of the door had been damaged. I didn't want to be charged for it, even though they didn't really seem like the type to do that. I was still a bit freaked out about the previous night, but I was feeling a lot safer during the day. It wasn't until a few nights later, when the snow had pretty much melted, that I found more evidence of something. I took Boots out back after he'd been scratching at the door, and I just walked him around the small yard. At one point he approached the fence line that he stood barking at the night prior, and started scratching at the ground. I approached to see what he may have found, and instead of a bug or something silly like that, there was something shiny on the ground. I picked it up, 
and realized that it was a pocket knife. To me, this cemented in my mind that not only did someone try to get in the front door, but those footprints around back, and now the knife, told me that someone was definitely in my backyard too. Was this the same guy? And why did he try so hard to get into my place? I had no way of tying the knife to that night, but I just had this huge feeling that it had to be related. The fence was just your normal chain-link fence, so he could have jumped it, causing him to lose the knife, which is why I saw the footprints, and why Boots ran to that side of the house. After all this, and having a quick chat with the owner of the house, he agreed to let me set up some additional cameras around the place, and we installed an easy alarm system on both doors. It was pretty cheap, and it was easy to do, as they basically just go off when the doors are opened without me putting in the pin. It made me feel a lot better about living there, but I also feel like I got a taste of some of the dangers of the city that I live in. I still live in the same house, and thankfully I have not had any other incidents like this. But that doesn't mean that I have let up on any of my security measures. But that was still one of the scariest nights for me, and I hope that Boots never has to be a protector like that again. My family moved around a lot when I was a child, mainly due to my dad's job. We moved four to five times before I was six years old. My mom wanted some stability for the family, which at this point comprised of her, my dad, myself, and my younger brother. So, in 1994, my old man went and bought an old derelict farm that was situated in a rural area in the southwest of the UK, a mile from the nearest village and a quarter mile from our neighbors. He purchased it at a property auction, and we had no prior viewing, just the pictures on display at the auction house. This place was really old, and comprised of a few large fields and two interconnected yards filled with outbuildings and a derelict house. It had been a working farm in various forms for 500 years or so, and the house itself was 250 years old. We spent a year living elsewhere whilst the renovations took place, but would often go there on weekends to run around and to play. The first day we entered the dusty, half-collapsed two-story house, we realized that the previous occupants had left loads of their stuff behind, the house had been vacated 25 to 30 years prior. Everything was dusty, moldy, and falling to pieces. And some of the highlights were dressing tables filled with old clothes and makeup. A wall in one room was plastered with rosettes won in equine competitions, and hanging from the banister at the top of the stairs were a row of small string nooses covered in fur. It's a barbaric but not uncommon way for farm folk to get rid of unwanted kittens, apparently. Now, this wasn't paranormal in any way, but Jesus Christ, it was a nerving thing to see in an already creepy-looking house. 
It would take far too long to list everything that happened, so I'll list some highlights below before ending with what I consider to be the strangest occurrence. Loud bangs. Loud enough to make you think someone had tipped over a wardrobe or something. Footsteps running up and down the long wooden hallway. Cold spots and breezy points throughout the house that changed from day to day. One night, my grandparents were house-sitting, and before they went to bed, they did a quick lock check. One room at the end of the house was filled with a thick mist. It was a clear night. All the doors and windows were shut, and the mist was exclusive to that room. They noped out of there and stayed at their own place that night. The next day, everything was back to normal. After living there for six months... My mom actually called the village priest in to bless the place. We weren't a religious family, but she was really at a loss about how to cope with everything. The priest arrived and then proceeded to sprinkle holy water in every room of the house. Once that was done, Mom walked him out to his car, and as soon as they got out of the house, he turned to her and said, There's an incredibly dark presence in this house, and I'm never setting foot here again. I don't know what to suggest. I'm really sorry. Good luck. And then he got into his car and sped off. He had apparently been fairly neutral during the blessing, but as soon as he got out of the house, he went pale, and his whole demeanor changed instantly. Things got a lot more chill after a medium came around and told Mum to kind of embrace it, which she did. There was always this nagging feeling that you were never alone. It didn't feel malevolent, it felt observational, and sometimes sad in a wistful way. It's still very strange. Anyway, the weirdest thing that happened actually occurred during the renovation phase. Dad and his work crew had removed all of the old possessions from the house and made a huge bonfire in the yard. They burned it over the course of a few days, until it was just a steaming pile of ash. The following weekend, my mom took me and my bro over for a picnic and to run around. We were feral little bastards and we needed it. At one point, mom sat in a chair not far from the bonfire, and noticed an envelope on the big mound of ash. Despite being in the center of this pile, the envelope had inexplicably not burned up. Mum could tell that there was something heavier than paper in the envelope when she opened it up, and an amethyst crystal dropped out along with the letter. The date on the letter was sometime in the early 60s, and was written by the childhood sweetheart of a girl who had lived at that house with her parents. It was a letter of condolence to the parents. Turns out, the girl had sadly ended her life in her room when she was around the age of 18. Her ex-boyfriend had heard about it, and sent the parents a really sweet letter, expressing his love, grief, and condolences. He also sent the amethyst crystal, as that was the girl's favorite stone. My bedroom had been the girl's room. This was evident from the contents when we first got there. My wardrobe was in the corner by the window looking out over the farm. I could never linger there for too long. The part of the room just felt unpleasant and tense. I've since wondered if that's the spot where the girl took her life. 
I guess the story of the letter isn't very paranormal, but the fact that the letter survived the bonfire is wild to me. So, yeah. We lived there for six years or so, and then moved again after my parents split up. The house has changed hands at least twice in the last 20 years. I live about two hours from this place nowadays, and my girlfriend and I are tempted to go visit and see how it's doing. I'm sure the owners would love to be regaled with odd anecdotes about the property. Just to clarify, aside from the weird feelings and the random bangs and noises, my brother and I were largely unaware of things that happened. We were only told later in life, thank God. Hey guys, I hope this is the right place for this. I'm a 30-year-old male, and I'd like to start off by saying that I don't really believe in this type of thing. Or at least, I didn't before. Some people in my family have always thought the paranormal to be real and claimed to have experiences, but until recently I've always chucked it up to their imaginations. Odd things have happened throughout my life, but I think I've always just shrugged it off and applied some sort of logic to it. Things like, this house is just really old and makes noise. But I can't logically come up with a reason as to why certain things are happening anymore. I guess everything started around Thanksgiving of 2017. After about 25 years in the same house, my family, mom, grandparents, aunt, and I decided to abandon the family home and move out of state. We immediately regretted the decision and quickly moved back to Georgia, into a new three-bedroom home. I took the entire basement as a bedroom, set up a hammock, and settled in quickly. After a few nights in the new place, I stopped having dreams. It seemed like no matter how much rest I got, it was just never enough. Apparently, this was happening to the rest of the family as well, but we never really spoke about it. A few more weeks go by, and then my mother started losing weight out of nowhere. My grandparents' health started to decline, and my aunt began shutting herself in her room. By the end of the first year, my grandma, who only went from her bed to her chair, somehow broke her back from just sitting but had bruises all over her back. My mom had lost somewhere around 60 pounds, and my aunt had pretty much went crazy, and my grandpa grew really irritable. It wasn't much longer after that that my aunt disappeared and got admitted into a, excuse my choice of words, nuthouse. Once she got out, she just refused to come back and moved out. Around this time, I started having nightmares. Around October of 2019, those nightmares got so bad that I hadn't had a full night's rest in several weeks. Then, one night, each time I woke up, I felt paralyzed and numb. It was like somehow all of my limbs were numb and cold. Then, one night this happened, I saw a figure. I was a nervous wreck for a few days after that. 
I remember telling one of my coworkers, and they told me to sage and pray over the house. I remember looking that sort of thing up to understand the whole point of it, and I was skeptical, but I did it anyway one night while my family was out. I walked every room of the house, upstairs and down. I even went into the bathrooms. I burned sage and prayed for what seemed like easily an hour or two. Later that evening, my family came home and were none the wiser. However, that night was different. It was quiet, peaceful. I remember it so perfectly because I think that was the first time since we moved in that I had managed to sleep comfortably. Unfortunately, the next morning, everyone else in the house had gotten extremely sick. My grandpa and I were the only ones who weren't admitted into the hospital that day. Luckily enough, everyone recovered, and things were fine for a couple of months. Then, before the pandemic went into full swing, three other family members moved into the house with us and took over the living room, great-aunt and second cousins. With them came several dogs, who were always playful and calm. Then, for who knows why, stuff started happening again. Mom started to lose weight again. Grandma and Grandpa's health went downhill, and I started having nightmares again. The other three family members began to bicker and argue like I had never heard from them, and their dogs started barking at all hours of the night. This continued on for months, and the situation just kept getting worse. Everyone was growing irritable and miserable. Eventually, those extra family members moved out, and I began spending less time at the house, even though we were going through a pandemic. I met my now wife and moved out rather quickly with her. My family stayed in that house, though, and I just visited on the weekends. A few months later, my mom had lost well over 140 pounds, but the doctor said she was healthy. Also, during this time, my grandma's health had gotten so bad that she was admitted into a nursing-slash-physical therapy facility. She spent about three to four months there before coming home. During that time, I had gotten married, and sadly, a week later, my grandma had passed away. And that was in the beginning of summer in 2021. That left my mom and grandpa in the house. I can't really speak on if they had any weird occurrences between that time and now, because I didn't live there anymore. They never spoke about those kinds of things, and when I visited, I never brought it up or asked questions. I didn't see the point or make any weird connections. That was until recently. Sadly, my grandpa passed in February of 2023. Since then, my mom has finally moved in with my sister and is taking her time getting her stuff from the house. Well, it's been about three weeks since the funeral, and as of today, I think I'm terrified. I don't know what to think or do other than sit here and draw connections to strange things that have happened the last few years. Heck, that's why I'm here sharing all this information. Last Thursday, I was driving home from work at roughly 3.10pm. 
I was passing by the old house my mom was moving out of, and I saw someone I didn't recognize from a distance. The road was maybe a football field away from the house, so it was hard to tell who it was. Once I got home, had dinner, and spent time with my family, I called my mom and asked her what she had moved out that day. Apparently, she hadn't been there at all that day and started freaking out, thinking someone was trying to steal from the house. She, my sister, and some of my sister's friends went up there to check out the place. Later that night, my mom called me back to tell me what had happened. She said that no doors or windows had been broken, but the doggy door cover was ripped off, and the house had some strange nasty cologne-like smell all throughout. While they were there, None of them felt safe, but they searched the house to see if anyone was there, and found no one. My sister apparently got tired of looking around, so she went into the pantry to find that all of the snacks and drinks were missing. Apparently a huge fuss was made, and they thought someone had broken in just to steal food, until my sister and her friends heard some strange sounds. Then, eventually... They heard a voice telling them to get out. This scared the crap out of them, and they went outside immediately. They were freaking out and yelling at my mother to get out too, claiming there was a ghost. But my mom didn't hear anything, thought they were being dramatic, and started poking fun at them. She even began talking, cursing, and threatening the quote-unquote ghost all throughout the house to prove a point. I guess this was a bad idea. Something scared my mother so bad that she just kind of shut down and refused to explain. After we got off the phone, I told my wife about it and laughed a little. I honestly thought that they were just hearing things. But then something happened today. I got off work early, and I went by the old house, alone. I wanted to get some tools that I left in the garage, but I never made it. You see, I pulled into the driveway, got out of the car, and felt something weird. Once I got to a breezeway door, before I could even reach for the doorknob, I felt like how I used to feel in the middle of the night, numb and paralyzed. I also felt empty, like I had been hollowed out. Then I felt a lot of pressure, like I was carrying a really heavy weight. I got scared, so scared that I started trembling. My first instinct was to get back into my car, so I ran to it and I left. I pulled into a nearby gas station, but by this time I was a nervous wreck. It took me nearly an hour to calm down. Once I did, I went in and got me something to drink and some gas, and for some reason, I got the bright idea to go back. The second time I pulled into the driveway and parked my car, I grabbed my gun out of the glove box and went to go into the house once again. But it was the same thing all over, but the feeling was so much worse. I couldn't see anything, but something was there. It felt giant and threatening. That presence was so overwhelming, overpowering, and just outright awful 
Even with my gun in hand, I turned and ran back to the car. This time I nearly wrecked on the way out of the driveway. I was headed home, but instead I went to a friend's place. I didn't tell her anything about what was going on, just that I needed her to come see something with me. I felt like she would understand better than me. The reason I went to her was because she comes from a Haitian family, whose roots run deep. She doesn't practice voodoo, but knows about it and has several family members who swear by it and live that lifestyle. But she's also one of those energy and vibe type people. She knew something was wrong with me, and was worried because I wouldn't explain, but she came with me anyway. As soon as I pulled into the driveway of that old home, she began to cry and freak out. I hadn't told her anything, and she loved my family, so there was no reason for her to act that way. She started yelling at me to leave, so I did. As I was driving back to her place, she started yelling at me and punching me in the shoulder over and over. She was angry at me, but eventually she calmed down and we started to talk. She told me to never bring her back to a place like that again. I asked her what she meant, and she said, A place that has an evil spirit. I asked her a bunch of questions and apologized before dropping her off. I got home maybe three or four hours ago. I originally came online to research stuff, somehow ended up on this forum, and just thought I should share. Truth be told, I really hope this is just mine and my family's minds playing tricks on us. Maybe we're just grief-stricken. We might just all be a little crazy. But through all of this, the one thing I know that is real is that terrifying sense of fear that I felt today. And it definitely has my nerves shook. I want to preface this story by saying that it is several events that happened in one night, and one of them does involve an attempted essay. I ask that you let your listeners know about this, just in case they don't want to hear about it. I also want to say that, with everything that happened, and all of it being in one night, some people may not believe the story, but that's on them. This is all true when it happened to myself and my friends on a night that was supposed to be fun. Anyways, on to the story. Back in my early to mid-twenties, I was pretty reckless, and I will be the first to admit it. I had just finished my master's degree and was pretty nose down into it trying to do my best. Because my life revolved around my school, I rarely did anything outside of school and work. So, when I finished it, and already had a promising job offer, I was ready to let loose. It started with my friends and I just hitting up their favorite clubs or going to mutual friends' places for parties. So, for New Year's, it wasn't going to be any different. In fact, we were expecting to get pretty wild that night. We planned on stopping at a nearby bar, and from there we were planning on hopping to different ones, and checking out any house party that we heard about, 
or were invited to. Basically, wherever the entertainment went, we would follow. We started as a larger group. It was myself, as well as my friends Elena, Melissa, Diamond, and Serenity. And we all met up at the bar Melissa actually worked at. Melissa was working that night, so we partied there until she got off around 8. Once she changed and we all had a round of shots, we left to go to one of our favorite clubs. When we arrived, we had a few more drinks. Elena didn't. She was our DD. After about an hour, though, the fun started to die down as someone in the club became a pretty annoying drunk and tried to start a fight with people. Wanting to move on, Melissa said that she'd been invited to a party by one of her customers, so she suggested that we go check it out. And that's where we went next. The party was just the type of energy that we were looking for. There were tons of people everywhere. In the yard, the living room, the kitchen, and the music could be heard throughout the house, too. People were dancing, drinking, laughing, and just overall having a great time. Melissa introduced us to the guy that invited us over, and it was pretty obvious that they both had eyes for each other. She began talking and flirting with him, so the rest of us walked around to get drinks and enjoy our time, too. At some point, I needed to use the restroom, so I thought to go and look for it myself. I walked down a hallway that had three doors, all of which were closed. None of them looked different or had any indication if one of them were a bathroom or a bedroom. So, all I could do was knock on the door and wait for a response. I knocked on the first door and got no answer, so I tried to open it, but it was locked. I went to the next door to try it, and after knocking and getting no response, I tried the door again. This time, it opened, but part of me wished that it hadn't. When I opened it, all I saw was a mattress on the floor and a woman sitting on the edge of it, with blood all over her arms and legs. I froze in place, not knowing what to do. Who was this woman and why was she in that room? And more importantly, why was she covered in blood? To add to the creepiness, I couldn't even really tell if she was in pain or anything, because she was singing. I can't recall what the song was, but it was some kind of nursery rhyme. I was already buzzed and not thinking straight, I'm sure, so... I just closed the door and ran back to the living room. I tried to find Melissa since she knew the guy hosting the party and thankfully she hadn't gone far. I told her and her friend what I saw, and he just said, Oh, that's Mary. She thinks there are worms in her skin. Like, it was just a completely normal thing. There was a lot of blood, and it really freaked me out. It definitely was not the vibe that I wanted that night, so I was ready to leave. I went up to Elena and asked her about leaving, and she agreed. We started gathering everyone up, but Melissa said that she was wanting to stay. No surprise to the rest of us, though, so we said goodbye and the four of us headed to another bar to check out. I was pretty familiar with this bar, so once we arrived... The atmosphere immediately drew me in, and we were all drinking and dancing. There were even two guys that came over and bought us some drinks. 
they were both attractive, and I would be lying if I said that I didn't like the attention that I was getting. I was single and had been for about a year, so it was nice. After some time, maybe about an hour or so, the guys that had been with us invited us back to their place for the countdown. It was probably around 11.30 or so, and really liking the guys, Diamond and I were wanting to go too. Unfortunately, Elena had started drinking, so she couldn't drive anymore, and Serenity did have a guy at home who was also watching their kid, giving her this night out. So, of course, she wasn't interested in hanging out with a bunch of random guys. Made sense to us, so we all agreed that Elena and Serenity would stay where they were and get a ride home later, and that Diamond and I would go with the guys, possibly meeting up later that night. So the four of us hopped into one of the guys' cars and headed back to their place. Again, I know we were being stupid for this, and we all understand that now, but being under the influence, we were not making the best decisions. However, once we arrived and went in, we started sobering up again. Maybe there wasn't going to be a full-blown party there, but what we didn't expect was the house to look the way it did. It was disgusting. There was trash all over the floor from wrappers to actual to-go food containers. Dirty dishes and clothes everywhere, and it smelled awful. I looked over at Diamond, and I knew that she was feeling the same way. The guy that had been dancing with me, call him Brett, turned on an old stereo nearby. And the other guy, Zack, was moving the trash off of the dirty old couch, saying that we could have a seat. Neither of us wanted to sit down on that couch, nor even touch anything for that matter. So we hesitantly made our way into the room and away from the front door. We both stood there swaying a bit to the music. We wanted to have fun, but we were not feeling it anymore, and I was definitely on edge. But as the time passed, the guys' intentions became crystal clear. They would sit on the couch and pull us over to them, making certain suggestions. We would go from declining their advances to even trying to avoid their grabs at our hips, but it seemed to only make them angry. That is when they became more aggressive, and insisted that we give them what they wanted. But this was not what I wanted nor was it what I was here for. Granted, I can't speak for Diamond, but judging by the look on her face, the feeling was mutual. I still tried to politely decline, and Diamond was a bit more aggressive, saying that she was not interested, and then said that if they didn't stop, that we were just going to leave. This apparently did not sit well with them, and they tried to grab us, which caused us both to fight back. After a bit of a struggle, Brett tried to wrap his arm around my neck, so I bit him. He let go, which caused Zack to be distracted, so Diamond was able to get away from him, too. I grabbed her by the arm, and we both ran out of the house. We kept walking down the street, becoming paranoid every time we saw a car, but no one ever stopped. We ended up coming across a gas station, and we went inside, thinking that we were safe being around others and in the view of cameras. 
From there, I used my phone to get an Uber, thinking that we could go back to Elena and Serenity, and probably call it a night after that. This night was not going as planned, and we even missed the countdown because of the whole ordeal. Once the Uber arrived, we both got in and the guy driving had to be close to our age. He looked pretty young, but was very friendly. He asked us how our night had been and we briefly explained the hell that we'd experienced. He laughed with us and expressed how crazy it sounded, and at that moment, I felt like we could breathe again. At one point, our driver started slowing down as he reached a red light, but it switched back to green so he started to speed back up again. And then we saw a car flying at us on the right, and the last thing I remember was screaming. I woke up to Diamond leaning on me unconscious, and then I could hear a man's voice shouting for us. It was our driver. I finally realized where I was. I was in the car that was now on its side, and the driver was trying to wake us up and pull us out. Shortly after, I heard sirens and other people talking. Several people helped pull me out, and finally, after we pulled Diamond out, she woke up. I was so afraid that she was dead as she was unresponsive. Thankfully, all three of us did survive with minor injuries. I had a concussion, Diamond had a broken rib or two, and our Uber driver, Kyle, I do remember his name, was practically unscathed, other than some cuts and bruises. He checked in on both of us in the hospital, and apologized that it happened, but neither of us blamed him. It was far from his fault. In fact, we apologized because he was in the situation because he'd picked us up. The driver of the other car was drunk and obviously ran a red light, so they got charged pretty heavily. The night ended there for us, for obvious reasons. But the rest of our friends all turned out okay and met us at the hospital too. I had my fill of crazy partying that night and I told myself that I would never do that again. And so far, I've stuck to that. I may still go out, but I stick with my friends. And I don't hop around, nor do I go home with strange men. This was literally the most eventful and probably worst night of my life. And it's safe to say that everything that happened that night was very sobering and I will never forget it. My only paranormal experience was about 30 years ago, and it's the only real experience that I've ever had. I, along with two other friends, moved into an old Californian-style bungalow house, which was a 1910-era three-bedroom house. We were all 25 years old at the time. It was located inner city and had an adjoining massive workshop slash shed that used to be a mechanic shop and a petrol station, with a petrol bowser on the footpath back in the 1920s. The monthly rent was quite cheap for the area and the size of the block, although the workshop was only used for storage now, and the owner had a fair bit of junk in it. One night, about 8pm, I was sitting in my bedroom at the desk, which was right next to the door which was open, 
and this opened into the main hallway. At the right of my door was the main entrance to the house from the outside. Across was another bedroom, and to the left the hall split in two directions. One to the lounge room and the other went to the kitchen. The kitchen was at the back of the house, and also had the back door, which led to the backyard. And across that yard was the massive old mechanic's shed. Because we lived inner city, our security was OTT. The back door had three deadbolts and a chain latch. It was always locked as it was winter and the backyard was wet and muddy. Both of my housemates were out that night, and I was playing a game on my PC when I saw a guy walk down the hall, about five feet in front of me. I said, hey. He stopped briefly, turned his head ever so slightly. He was wearing blue jeans and a red plaid patterned shirt. He was about 20 years old, had lovely blonde shouldered length hair. As I was playing a game, I didn't fully engage with him, but when I noticed he stopped, I then said, how's it going? And then returned to viewing the monitor with the game that I was playing. I thought it was a friend of one of my housemates, and I expected to see one of them walk past shortly, but no one did. This guy may have looked at me, but since I returned my gaze back to the screen, I'm not 100% sure. Then he just slowly walked down the hall and into the kitchen. I then realized that I never heard the front door open, and all of a sudden, every hair on my body sharply rose up. I said, hello, and still got no response. So I then walked into the kitchen to see who this guy was, and there was no one there. He could not have come back out without me seeing him, and the back door had three locked deadbolts on it. I was so shocked, but curious too. I spent the next half an hour walking around the house, out into the backyard, in the shed, but I didn't see anyone. A week later, I went across the road from our house to the barber's shop to get a haircut. The barber had been in business for generations. His father and his father before him ran the business. I told him the story and he called his father in from out back of the shop. His father told me that back in the 1940s, when the mechanic shop was in full operation, a young man was working under a car which was on a hoist. It malfunctioned, and the young man was killed. Quite a few previous residents have seen this young man in the house, and they got scared and moved out, hence the cheap rent. We stayed for another two years, but I never saw him again. I was so disappointed. I would have loved to have seen him again and even tried to communicate with him, I've never seen anything paranormal since. As far as ghosts go, this was so believable. He had a solid form. He acknowledged me when I spoke to him by stopping and turning his head. I just wish that I had kept looking at him more, and I wish I had more encounters like that. One per lifetime is way too few. It's not fair, and I think I've been ripped off.
let me start this off by saying that it's kind of a long story to get to the point of it, so I am sorry. I'm a 20-year-old male, and when I was five, we moved from our trailer home deep in the forest and got a house closer to town. This would be the house that we stayed in for the next decade and more. My grandfather was a preacher, and he took his wife and children, one of those children being my mom, on a mission trip to Belize, where they would reside for the next few years to come. During that time, I've been told my grandfather had to perform an exorcism, and had dealt with many spiritually traumatic events. My mother told me that when she came back to the US, she had a necklace that her friend in Belize gave her as a departure gift. This necklace seemed to be bringing in negative happenings. She said she would see figures move out of the corner of her vision, hear footsteps in the house when no one was home, even hear voices talking in vacant rooms of the house. She decided it was best to get rid of the necklace, so she did, and everything seemingly went back to normal. Fast forward to when I was eight years old. I had separation anxiety very badly as a kid, upon other forms of anxiety. I always knew if my dad was awake in the living room late at night playing his Xbox, or if he was in bed, because I always would call out from my room to make sure he was there, just out of fear of him not being there. My older brother, my little brother, and I all shared a room at the time. My dad said that when they first moved into the house, he always got chills going in there, and wasn't sure why. He said there was an old chair and a vintage recorder that sat on top of it. He said that he couldn't explain why, but the room just gave him a creepy feeling. Anyways, one night, both my brothers and I had already fallen asleep, and my dad had turned off his Xbox and went to bed. There was a bifold door closed across the room from my bed that I was always afraid of as a kid, thinking that there were ghosts in it or something. So, that night, as I was struggling to fall asleep, I watched that closet intently, almost fading into sleep when, out of nowhere, the open closet slammed shut by itself, as if a grown man had slammed it in a fit of rage. Now, I was terrified, and a bit shook up. Half hiding under my blanket, I started into the closet all night. Nothing was in it. No one was playing a trick on me. There were no drafts in the room. Needless to say, I became pretty paranoid as a kid. Fast forward to when I was 16, I had developed a bad stomach issue leading me to think I may have developed Crohn's disease. Afraid and googling symptoms all night, I started to fade asleep. I remember the last thing I could think that I was being punished for my wrongdoings. And when I fell asleep, I had a dream that I was in a two-story house that I didn't recognize, and found myself running up the stairs, somehow knowing that my mother was in bed in one of the rooms. I ran into the room to find her, and saw her lying in the bed. She seemed sick, like she had a fever, and standing by her bed was a tall, looming thing. 
In the dream, I could see more details on this being, but once I woke up, all I could remember from it was a black void and a tall figure. I told it to leave my mom alone, and it turned to me and said, My name is Baal. Baal being a real demon. I told it to F off, and then I woke up. When I woke up, the entire house had flooded during my time of sleeping and having that dream. The septic system had completely backflowed through every drain in the house, causing a rough day of work to deal with the flooding and the plumbing. And from that day forward, I've had horrible stomach issues, and I can't help but remember that night every time I get sick and throw up. I still get those feelings that it's watching me when I sleep at that house. Thank you for your time, and I love your channel, Raven. Thank you. A couple years back, my buddies and I made plans to welcome in the new year with a road trip to a cabin in the woods. We had a pretty rough plan laid out. We were bringing plenty of food, and drinks, and music, and we would do whatever we felt like doing once we were out there. We didn't have any other specific plans, like going skiing or anything nearby, but rather we all agreed that we would go if we were all filling up to it. Sometimes you can make all these plans and reservations, and things can suddenly change once you get to your reservation, so we preferred to keep those things open. My girlfriend thought that it sounded weird to not have plans, but we actually preferred it this way. In fact, we were happy to just be in the cabin all day, eating and drinking and playing a game. And yes, we did bring a game console or two. We made our way to the cabin, there were four of us, and we all met up and rode together in my SUV. We left on the evening of December 30th, which was later than we wanted, but Parker got tied up helping his girl with something, so we were running a bit behind. No big deal, though. The cabin was only a few hours away, and we would definitely be able to keep each other awake. We pulled up around 8 or 9 that night, so it was already dark. Parker, Miguel, and I started bringing our stuff to the door, following Anthony, as he's the one that booked the cabin and had the key to it, when we noticed him panicking. We asked him what was wrong, and he said that he couldn't find the key. So, with just our phone lights, we helped him look all over the ground, his bag, and even my car in case we dropped it somewhere and we never found it. We hardly had a signal where we were, but he tried calling his wife to see if the key was at home, and the call wouldn't connect. It was late and dark, and none of us really wanted to go back to get the key, but we also didn't want to call the trip a bust. So, we did the next best thing. We tried to break into the cabin. The cabin had a normal lock, as well as a deadbolt, so he was trying to pick it. Parker walked around to check all the windows, and I held a light for Miguel. Anthony stayed near my car, trying to get a signal to call someone, possibly his wife, or possibly the person he'd rented the cabin from. For a moment there, I was pretty annoyed. 
It was below freezing that night, so sleeping in my SUV wasn't even going to be an option. I don't think Miguel even really knew how to pick locks, but he was doing his best. My annoyance quickly faded and turned to this paranoia, as I started feeling like we were being watched. I began scanning the area around the trees, and that's when I saw it. Back between the trees, there was a shadow of a figure. It looked really large, like a person was just standing back there and watching us. Their shoulders were very broad and they just looked wide, or big even. I'm still not really sure how to explain it. As I stared at this thing, I couldn't help but feel vulnerable, like prey in the night. This thing definitely watched over this place, or called it their home. It just had that aura to it. I could feel the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I pressured Miguel to do something quickly. He said that he was having troubles, and suggested that we should try a window too. I pointed out the shadow to Miguel, asking if he saw it. And he confirmed that he did, but he said that he thought it was just shadows from the trees playing tricks on us. I didn't see that. I understand what Pariadolia is, but this was not that. The slow movement was not in sync with the swaying trees, and it could not be from them. Finally, Parker returned saying that the back door lock was pretty weak, and suggested that we try it. We all went around back, demanding that Anthony come with us not wanting to leave him alone and to make him be a victim of a cheesy horror movie setup. Once around back, the shadow was out of view, so I started to ease up a bit. From there, we noticed that it was just an old-fashioned doorknob. So, Miguel pulled out a credit card and was finally able to get us in. I was relieved when we were finally in the cabin. We unlocked the front door grabbed our bags and I looked around one last time, but I didn't see the shadow anywhere. So, for a moment, and just a moment, I questioned myself, thinking maybe I was just seeing things, and I let it go to enjoy the night. We settled into the cabin that night. We ate some quick food and just chilled out in the living room. We even slept great that night, Miguel and I took the rooms, Parker took the couch, and as punishment for forgetting the key, we made Anthony sleep on the pull-out cot. There were no hard feelings, though. We all gave him a hard time about it, but only in fun. So, New Year's Eve arrived, and our day was great. And we left to pick up some more food items to last us through the next day, but otherwise we actually stayed at the cabin. And there was a fire pit out back, so we sat there for a few hours until it started snowing again. We went in and played games for a while, until midnight struck. We had another round of drinks, and we started settling down, probably around 2 in the morning. By then, we were all in bed. I'd been hard out, as that normally happens to me when I drink, but out of nowhere, I was jolted awake for no apparent reason. It was like one of those falling dreams that wakes you up. I laid in the bed just staring at the window when that feeling came back from the night that we'd arrived. I was feeling 
watched and was starting to get this really unsettling feeling. Something told me to check the window, so of course I did. I approached the window that I had been staring at. It was blocked by thick red curtains, and as I quickly opened the curtains, I was met face to face with another large dark shadow. But this time, I could tell that it had eyes. There were glowing yellow eyes staring right at me. I jumped backwards, shouted some expletives, and then rushed out of the room. Anthony and Parker heard me and were already sitting up asking what was going on. I explained to them what I saw, and they both went to my room to check it out. By the time we'd gone back to my room, the shadow was gone, and I explained to them what I saw the night that we arrived. They both seemed interested in this, and suggested that we all go take a look. So, we put our shoes on and went out for a walk. We walked out front and looked around, when I saw that same large shadow seemingly walking away from the cabin. It was close to the trees at this point, and I pointed it out to the others, who quickly saw it too. Parker shouted out to the figure, but it didn't stop. He shouted again, and that was when Miguel shouted at us from the doorway, asking what we were doing. They pointed out the shadow figure, and Miguel's tone changed. He walked out with us, and we all watched this thing make its way back into the trees. We were in awe this time. We didn't know what we were witnessing. It was clearly walking on two legs, and it had the shape of a person, but literally all we could see was black. Once it was in the trees, Parker shouted out to no one in particular, What the hell is that thing? I guess that triggered something because those glowing eyes opened up, and we could all clearly see them. I turned to Miguel to explain to him what I'd seen from my bedroom window when I saw the same yellow eyes, but this was from a different figure. I pointed them out to everyone, and they all looked at it. Then we all looked around and saw multiple sets of eyes. There were at least six that I can remember, but even though it didn't seem like that many telling this story, it was terrifying being out there. Just the four of us in the dark, surrounded by trees, and whatever these towering things were. We all seemed to have the same ideas, and we ran back into the cabin. We checked to make sure all the doors and windows were locked and all the curtains were closed, wanting to make sure those things couldn't watch us from outside. I was worried about them possibly trying to get in, since the one wasn't afraid to approach the window. We all tried to loosen up and forget about it, but it was difficult. Every tap, every creak, and even when I saw the curtains move most likely from the vent above it, it messed with my head. Come morning, everything was normal, as it had been the day prior. We looked outside and saw no figures in the trees. There weren't even footprints around the cabin, which made no sense. We all agreed that what we saw was simply something that we couldn't explain, and we packed up our stuff, pretending like we'd had a great time, and that we hadn't had anything weird happen to us at all. I told my girlfriend about it when I got home, and she seemed skeptical, but everything I saw happened. 
it had to be real, because I wasn't the only one to see it, but I don't know what it was. I don't think I want to go back to see if I could find them again, either. Part of me thinks that night may have been a warning, and it's a warning that I'm always going to remember. This happened a few nights ago, when I was trying to fall asleep. I've been on holidays since near the end of November. In South Africa, around Christmas time is our summer holiday due to us being in the Southern Hemisphere. I normally stay up a lot later than anyone else in my house, playing video games or watching YouTube or whatever. This night, I was lying in bed with my phone at about 1am, when I decided that it was a bit late, and that I should try to fall asleep. As I was lying down, I was manually breathing, when I noticed that the sound of breathing sounded slightly out of sync with my actual breath. I felt my heart slowly begin to race, but I tried to remain calm and brush it off. In an attempt to help myself feel better and fall asleep easily, I decided to hold my breath to see that the breathing sound stops too. So I did. Except, the sound of breathing continued. The sound sounded like it was literally coming from directly underneath my bed. I also never noticed this sound suddenly appearing. Meaning that, if it was always there, it had been in sync with my breath until now. I began to freak out and thought that somehow someone was underneath my bed, even though I knew that if they had bad intentions, they would have done something already, since everyone else was supposedly asleep. This made me think that there wasn't anyone under my bed, but I still didn't know how the breath continued when I had stopped breathing. My right ear was blocked at the time and my left ear was against the pillow, meaning that whatever I heard would almost definitely be heard through my left ear. Lifting my head up, I heard the noise continue. It was snoring from my dad in his bedroom. I couldn't help but notice that the snoring while going at the same pace as the breathing sounded absolutely nothing like it. Putting my head back on the pillow, I didn't hear the noise anymore. Just my dad's snoring. What do you think? Was it really his snoring somehow being distorted to sound like normal breathing? And like it was coming from under my bed? Or was it something else? Something more sinister and evil? When I was around the age of six, my mom started to clean our church every week to help out. During this time, we were renting a farmhouse where me and my two older brothers experienced quite a few paranormal events, but my parents never gave it the light of day, due to them being Christian and very conservative. One day, my mom was cleaning the church and my brothers and I tagged along since my dad was working. While my mom cleaned, we decided to play hide-and-seek since the church was empty. Eventually, I was the seeker looking for my brother, and I remember walking down a long hallway. Since the church was closed, 
and my mom was just cleaning the room where the sermons were held. All of the other lights were off except for the emergency lights. When I was walking in the very dim hall, for some reason, I felt the need to look up. And from that moment, I can't get the image of what I saw out of my head. There was an all-black figure around the size of a six or seven-year-old. The figure was crawling on the ceiling, so I was looking at its back. Only, it had noticed me, so it had twisted its head all the way around to see me. The face was blurry since it was dark, but I could make out an almost cartoonish smile staring at me, and I remember the eyes being not human-like at all. The weird thing about this is, despite how creepy I remember the figure being, my six-year-old self was not scared at all. I remember thinking to myself, how did my brother get up there? And then I felt the need to leave the hallway. When I saw its face, I didn't feel my stomach drop, nor did I feel scared or threatened. I just felt like whatever I saw wanted me to just move along. To this day, I don't have any idea what it was. My brothers called me crazy and said, There can't be any demons in a church since it's protected by God. And my parents agreed. The older I get, the more I wonder if it was just a dream that made itself into a memory. It just feels so real when I think about it, and I'm able to describe it in such great detail. I don't really remember any other times we played hide-and-seek, but this one sticks out. I know that children are more likely to have paranormal experiences, and my brothers also had things happen to them, but it was at the house. Why did I see something at our church? After doing some research, I found out that the church has been around since 1873, and I remember that there is a cemetery on the land as well, with the same name as the church. I'm happy to talk about some of the other things that happened in the house, but I don't remember much. Really only the things that my brothers have told me. The house was very old and in the middle of nowhere. It was an old farmhouse that someone purchased and had renovated. The barn was a no-go zone and gave us all the creeps. The cows on the land also acted very strange, and the house just had this weird vibe overall. Hey there, friends. I hope that you enjoyed this collection of scary stories on this episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. If you did, make sure that you follow the podcast on whatever platform that you're utilizing, and if the platform you are on has a rate the podcast option, please consider doing so. Those ratings push the podcast into the algorithm, and we all know how the algorithm controls everything, so... Yeah. I also do have a Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash asthereavendreams, you can support the channel further. For as little as a dollar a month, you can get early access to all of my content in audio format. The content's a little different, as it's based on what I upload to my YouTube side, but it's the same stories. Just in different collections of stories than how they're presented here. Speaking of stories, 
If you have one you would like to submit to me, please go to asthereavendreams.com and click the button in the middle of the screen that says Submit Your Story. Now, these stories are mostly sourced by listeners, so let's keep the podcast alive. If you've got one, I'd love to read it. Anyways, friends, I hope you're all having a beautiful day and a lovely week. And I hope I see you again very soon. But until then, remember you're loved, you're valid, you're important. You're the best you that you can be, never forget it. And until next time, much love and sleep well.